Hello, um, it's Annie here and welcome back to my podcast. Um, thank you so much for coming back um, to listen and I really, really hope you're enjoying the, the book. Um, it took me, well I can't remember how long it took me to write it but um, I um, did a, quite a few edits on it and um, eventually got it the way I wanted it and then, um, yeah, and then I just kept writing for a bit and um, well, now I've stopped writing, but um, yeah, I do have a few books that I have written. But anyway, so um, we're on chapter 12 and Mariana is at the old research station and Alexander has found her. Um, and Jessica is still in the ocean, I guess, waiting for Mariana. Okay, so chapter 12, here we go. Mariana, Mariana, jump, jump. Jess was furiously waving her arms above her head. She was a tiny swaying dot in the heaving, swelling ocean below the oil platform, clinging on grimly to the small fishing boat as the sea tossed and rose, spewing white froth on the crest of each high wave. Jump! Jump! Jess repeated. Jess's urgent command struggled in the tumultuous wind, making each bellowed word faint and distant, and it was only when Mariana looked down to search for her that she realised she was calling out. Mariana and Alexander had exited the housing unit together and now stood on the edge of the platform. High, cold winds tossed through their hair and bit at their skin. The sky was a threatening dark monster and the sea was its fiendish ally. She is warning you against me. She is so afraid for you she cannot see that it is her who is in danger, Alexander said, staring down over the platform to the side of the huge steel pillar where the boat was moored and from where Jess was calling. Jess's head was just visible above the water as her tail swished furiously and she continued to wave and call out. Mariana waved back with both arms. It's okay, she yelled. It's okay. I'm coming straight down. But then, in an instant, Jess Jess disappeared under the heavy grey water. Mariana waited, watching for Jess to resurface above the mad thrashing sea. Seconds that seemed like minutes kept passing. Jess is a mermaid. Mariana began to reassure herself. She can swim and breathe underwater. There is no urgency for her to resurface. The only urgency is in my own panicking mind. And then she saw her again. Jess's small golden head had reappeared, but her body was being forced by the waves against the hard platform pillar, and she looked very much like she was struggling. Jess! Mariana set her rucksack down at her feet. I'm coming! she yelled. Quickly, Mariana began to descend the ladder and Alexander opened his wings and swooped down to the water's stormy surface. But just as they reached Jess, she disappeared again, swallowed helplessly by the ocean. The boat's rope is wrapped around her tail, Jess shouted. Sorry, Alexander shouted. He was hovering over the waves, his wingspan broad and wide like a giant canopy, but he was unable to reach Jess's sinking body. His wings prevented him from entering under the water and he could not go any further. Mariana jumped from the ladder and splashed her into the sea, feet first. A ferocious burst of cold jolted through her body systems and salty water filled her mouth and nose as she sunk under. Pushing down with her arms, she fought to counteract the fast downward descent and gradually rose to the surface, spluttering and struggling through the waves. Mariana was within swimming distance of Jess. With greater control, she inhaled deeply and dived down. She was totally blind under the the dark water, but she could sense the vibrations of Jess's thrashing tail. Mariana fumbled around until her hands made contact with the rope that Jess was entangled in. Then, with the rope firmly in her hands, she swam back up to the surface to breathe. Get out or you will drown! Alexander shouted. Mariana ignored him and dived back down, using the rope to guide her, and began to unwind it from around Jess's tail. 
The sea was incredibly strong, but as Jess's tail swished free, Mariana held onto the rope and pulled herself back up to its mooring point on the steel pillar. Exhausted but victorious, Mariana held on to the safe security of the thick, bolted ladder, while two windswept faces stared at her, one in shock, one in anger. Are you okay, Jess? Mariana called. Yes, I'm fine. What about you? Jess gasped. I'm great, Mariana smiled through the cold. But please, let's not meet like this again. Neither of the two faces were amused at her attempts at humour, and Jess was staring daggers at Alexander. Who are you? Jess aggressively questioned him. My name is Alexander. Alexander paid no attention to Jess's repulsory reaction to his name as he picked Mariana out of the sea and flew her back onto the platform. Don't ever do that to me again, he shouted as they landed. Unable to respond due to the sudden voluntary, involuntary onset of manic chattering of her teeth, Mariana said nothing. Alexander glared at her furiously. Here, take my coat, he said. Wrapping his thick leather coat around her for the second time, he held on to the lapels and pulled her close to him. Her arms were bound underneath the coat as he brought his face down to hers. You are freezing, he said as her teeth continued to chatter. I'm f-f-f-fine, she chattered. Wrapping his arms tightly round her, surrounding her warmth, he smiled and put his lips to hers. Then he kissed her, and his kiss was so urgent and strong and so intensely warm that it lit a fire inside her, making her whole body go from cold to hot in one dizzying second. For now, that is all I have to warm you, he said, pulling away from her heat-drenched mouth. I must take your friend home. Wait for me here. I will be back. Alexander opened his black wings and flew back down to the ocean. Peering over the edge of the platform, Mariana saw him swiftly pick Jessica out of the water. She heard Jessica cry out in protest, and Mariana knew that Jessica was afraid. To Jess, Alexander was a Pegasian, someone to fear and someone to hate. Mariana squirmed inside, sensing her fear, hating herself for not feeling it too. Mariana sat down and pulled Alexander's long coat around her, watching as the Pegasine and the mermaid became a dot in the distant grey sky. She knew Jess was still fighting him, desperate to get free, believing his motives to be sinister, scared that the fate of her brother was also going to befall her. In Jessica's mind, Alexander was a cold-blooded murderer, the man who had tortured and killed her brother. To Mariana, he was not. She still could not believe that Alexander had been responsible for David's death. Instinctively, it just didn't make sense. And as she watched Jessica disappear from sight... She did not believe that Alexander had any intention of hurting one hair on Jessica's head. His only motive in carrying her so firmly was to make sure that he got her safely back to shore. But how could she be so sure? How could she be so sure of anything anymore when she was now beginning to question her own sanity? She was alone on the giant steel grey monster, the grave of a hundred experiments, and very nearly the grave of her best friend. And the truly mad thing was that Mariana had brought her here, all because of a voice inside her head. Mariana's rucksack sat beside her like a loyal companion. From it she removed the medicine bottle she had taken for David. Coldness was beginning to take over her body and play havoc with her emotions. David was dead. Brian hated her. She had nearly killed Jessica and the only man who had ever made her feel more than just another lowly human being could quite possibly be a cold-blooded murderer. Fantastic. Just the way I always wanted my life to work out, she thought sarcastically, shivering to her core. Pulling her knees up tight under the coat, she tried to warm up. She wanted to feel warmth, the warmth that had swept through her when Alexander had kissed her. Mariana looked at the medicine bottles. 
The medicine might soothe her. It would slip down her throat like wine, and when it meandered through her veins, she would feel better, light-headed and fuzzy, and maybe she would not feel so cold. The wind whirled around her frozen wet body, biting further into her sore flesh, as the warm, dark, purple liquid continued to wink up at her. Removing an arm from under the coat, she lifted up one of the bottles and spun it around in her hand, like a majorette with her baton. "'Have you not had enough of doing foolish things today?' a voice from above her suddenly said as the bottle was whipped from her hand and flung into the sea below to be caught in the fingers of a giant wave before sinking from view. "'I wasn't going to drink it,' Mariana protested, frowning at the figure who glowered down at her. "'Maybe not, but from the distance I could not be sure.' Alexander scowled as his wide black wings folded purposely into his back. Mariana looked up. Internally her heart leapt and her eyes misted over. He did not look evil or cold. He looked handsome and sincere. His eyes were dark and warm and she hated herself for loving the sight of him and the feel of his presence. Why did you come back? It would be better for everyone if you just left me here, Mariana said, laying her chin on top of her knees in self-pity. Why do you say such things? Alexander frowned. David is dead, Mariana stated through chattering teeth, and it is all my fault. Everywhere I go lately, I seem to leave a trail of devastation behind me. David's death was not your doing. None of it was your fault. I know it wasn't my doing, but it was directly because of something I did that he was killed. Do you also believe it was me who killed him? Your friend Jessica was very vehement in her hatred of me and unwavering in her belief of my guilt. Did you take take Jessica safely back to shore? Mariana asked. Why do you ask me that? Do you think that I may have killed her too? I don't know. I don't know anything. But who else knew about the things I took from your city? And who else knew that David and Jessica were my friends? Who else? Who else would have killed them? Someone who wants the same things that I do, he replied. But who? Give me something, anything to convince me that my belief in you is not just another strand of the rope that is wrapped around my neck, threatening to hang me for gross insanity. Anything, anything at all. Do you remember the first night I came to your flat? Alexander replied. Yes. Well, there were two feathers there, one black, one blonde. The black one was mine. The blonde one was from the man who I now believe has been following you. He wants the same thing as I, but he wants it for a different reason. Mariana frowned. That is not enough. Give me something else, another reason why I should believe it was not you. Why would I have left you on the rock by the mermaid fireball? I knew you had the medicine bottles and bread and water in your rucksack. Why would I not just deal with you then, instead of flying off to kill your friend? I don't know, to give me the worst and most out-of-proportion punishment you could think of? No, the reason I left you was because I knew why you had taken the medicine. I wanted you to deliver it to your friend first, and then I would come back for you. Little did I think it would be here that I would find you, he frowned. Hmm, she said. Okay, that's not bad. Maybe you've convinced me, but just a little bit. So tell me, why would the Pegasian, who you say has been following me, pretend to be you when he killed David? He wants to make sure that you can never trust me. He wishes to make you believe that I am the type of Pegasian who rules with torture and violence. He is looking for the same thing as I, and he will kill anyone to get it. But why? What could be so important that he would do that? What is it that you are both looking for? This was the one question that had never really been answered. 
It was the link to what was going on inside her head, and no matter how much it scared her, she had to know. We are both looking for the same research. Research to destroy the fourth chimeric. Fourth chimeric? Research? What research? You must explain to me what that means. I must understand what all this means. My grandfather said... It was on the tip of her tongue to tell him about the voices and what they had said. Suddenly, she wanted to tell him everything. She wanted him to know what was going on inside her head. Alexander did not ask her to elaborate. Instead, he sat down beside her, unfolded his left wing and wrapped it around her, cocooning her in a thick blanket of warmth. The waves crashed below them and the sky hung heavy with thick cumulus clouds. Before he came, Mariana had felt abandoned and miserable, worried for her friend, a friend she had put in danger. Right now the boat that had brought her here was being smashed into little pieces against the steel pillar, but as Mariana witnessed the sea's destruction and felt the pangs of guilt in her heart, she no longer felt alone. Thank you for taking Jess home, Mariana said to Alexander. It was wrong of me to make her bring me here. I had to take her home. It was important, Alexander replied, staring out to sea. Why? Alexander turned to face her. His mouth was a finger's breadth from hers and his warm breath was intoxicating. She was in danger, he replied. She would never have made it home on her own and... And what? Mariana asked. I had to make amends with her father. I had to make sure he had all he needed to bury his son. Now you are making me feel even worse than I already do. You are fixing what I caused. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. It is a useless emotion. Start trying to understand why. Everything you did was for a reason. What is that reason? What made you come here? Mariana, it was very foolish to... Then he paused and shook his head. No, I will stop criticising you. You are headstrong and stubborn, but you are brave. I must give you that. You don't give out compliments too often, do you? She smiled. Alexander smiled back. With you, I have to stop myself. And I understand now why your grandfather chose you. His heart was pounding. She could feel it. They were sitting alone together on an old abandoned oil platform in the middle of the ocean and he, was, and he was keeping her warm. In this moment of unforced intimacy, Mariana decided to trust her instinct and let Alexander know what was inside her head. A few nights ago, on the night of my 23rd birthday, I began to hear voices in my head. It was my grandfather. He was talking to me. He told me things, things I didn't understand. The fourth chimeric, seek to understand, stuff that just got me confused and a bit scared. It was sore at first, then it stopped. But back there in the housing unit, the pain came back, worse than ever. It was horrible, really horrible. Two voices were talking at once. But back when you first came to my flat, asking me stuff, looking all angry and threatening, dragging me into a prison and almost forcing me to have a scan on my brain, I ran because my grandfather told me to. He said that I couldn't risk you finding him. He is inside my head. He comes and goes for no apparent reason, just when he feels like it. It is annoying, confusing, scary, but at the same time it's kind of nice to hear him again. So that is why I am here. A grandfather whom I have not seen for five years told me to come here. Am I mad? Please tell me. I need to know, because if I am mad then I will stop this crazy stuff and go back to my normal life. And I think I must be mad because if anyone else told me that their dead grandfather was talking to them, telling them to do weird and dangerous things, I would tell them that they were crazy straight off. She turned to him imploringly. So what do you think? Am I out of my mind? To her relief, he did not laugh or frown critically. 
Instead, he smiled and said, No, Mariana, you are not mad. I knew there was something inside your head. I guessed it from the start. When I saw you grip your head in pain, knowing you already had a scar on your scalp, it made me wonder what was going on. And that was why I organised for the scan. So what is it? What would the scan have found? I think it would have found a tiny computer chip implanted on the surface of your brain, directly under the site of the scar on your scalp. My guess is that your grandfather put it there after having programmed it to do what he wanted it to do and after uploading all the research that he had been working on. But only you can access what is inside that computer chip. Only you can download its contents. So the answer to your question is no. You are not crazy or mad or out of your mind. You are the person that one of the most gifted scientists who ever lived chose to trust with his most secret and important research. You are the one who can save us all. Now I think it is you who might be mad. Maybe we both are, he replied, his intense gaze roaming over her eyes and lips. So this research, she breathlessly asked, trying not to melt under his stare. What is it about? Why is it so important? I believe the computer chip in your brain contains all of your grandfather's research on how to destroy the fourth chimeric. Mariana shook her head. There was so much to take in, so much to try and understand. The fourth chimeric, she asked. Can you explain to me what exactly they are? I can show you. That would be a better way to explain. I can show you what they are capable of and why they must be stopped. But you must realise that the solution to stopping them is in your head. Are the research search files encrypted? How do I get them out of my head? The files can only be downloaded when you have the key to unlock them. You mean like a password? Yes. But how do I know what that is? How do I find the password? I don't know. I wish I did. But I do know that it will not be as simple as a word or a phrase. With the programme your grandfather has put in place, it is more likely that there is a neural connection unformed between the chip in your brain and the brain itself. So I need to form the missing neural pathway between my brain and the chip? Yes. You need to complete the pathway with your own understanding and knowledge. Then the circuit will be complete and the information can be downloaded. Grandfather said I must seek to understand, she mused. Then that is the password. That is what will link the information together in a single continuous loop and allow it to freely flow from your brain. So why did he not do this himself? Why has he left it to me? He probably always intended to finish his work himself, but you were his safety net, just in case. My guess is he knew he might run out of time, that things may begin to conspire against the completion of his task, or others may try to sabotage his work. One or all of those things turned out to be true. I believe that before he left you, he activated the GMO2 in your brain so you could finish what he could not. He activated it to start in five years' time from the day he left home? No. His control over the mechanism's start date would have been low. He would not have known exactly when it would start. It is too crude a device to allow precise timing. It will only have started when your own neurology began to connect with it. And that process took five years, Mariana said. So it seems, Alexander replied. But as it turned out, it was perfect timing. For whom? Mariana asked. For us all, Alexander replied. This is serious, isn't it? Mariana stated. Very. Mariana sighed. I need to do so much. I will help you. But for the moment, it can wait. Alexander's deep stare held her transfixed. The burning chemistry between them was only intensifying with every look, 
every breath which tantalisingly brushed whisperingly over her cheekbones. With his hand he held the back of her neck, and with his other he ran his fingers through her hair. Have I told you how beautiful you are? Have I told you the thoughts that run through my head every time I look at you? And each time I am with you, it becomes more and more difficult to leave. It feels like I have known you for a thousand years. Light sprinkling rainwater blew and fell, misting over Alexander's face. Brushing her thumb gently over his cheek, she wiped the glistening moisture. Catching her hand tightly in his own, he then kissed her, and this time he did not let go. Every fibre of herself was being drawn to him, and she did not want it to stop. Her doubts, her, in her inhibitions and her fears were leaving her, as his kiss became more urgent and his desire more fierce. But as her hands moved behind his back and she touched the glistening feather on his feathers on his wings, a giant wave of appreh apprehension and doubt suddenly swept in, dragging her straight back to reality. He was Pegasean. She was human. It was forbidden to be with a Pegasean. If they were discovered, she would be treated as a criminal. She was of a lower social order. She was the one who would be seen as contemptible, and it was she who would be judged and found guilty. And for him, he was heir to the rulership of the third city. He had even more to lose than she did. Abruptly, she pulled away from his embrace, and without thinking, she slapped him across the face. You are trying to confuse me. Do not do that again. Extreme defensiveness was her only defence. Alexander's frown returned. You are right, he replied. We must go. I will take you home. Without hesitation or question, he lifted her up in his arms and carried her back across the ocean. Okay, so that's the end of chapter 12. Bye for now.